So, yeah, so what, what we're doing here, and I can just explain it. With our nightclub, we use the, um, what I've playfully come to call the nocturnal meditations, which is a sequence of lucid dreaming, being the platform into dream yoga, being the platform into sleep yoga, luminosity, and then in a certain sense culminating in bardo yoga. But the main kind of center point is really dream yoga. Um, and so we are exploring practices of how to induce lucidity, how to stabilize lucidity, and then also like what do, what do you do when you lose it? Um, and then in conjunction with that, and this is where um, I think we can chat a little bit, is how to use what we discover in that subtle nighttime mind to help us wake up nature of so-called waking reality and so um, it's it's fruitful it's rich we've had some wonderful guests um, like you come on you know to, to contribute that ha has been the highlight for me is just sitting down and just hanging with some remarkable people um, and eventually I want to get to go country with the and Elizabeth and you know other other folks of that world but for what I'd like to talk to you about, uh, Pamela, we can just see where it goes, is first a little bit more specific and then more kind of wider cashment ideas of how, you know, um, have there been any particular dreams? Because we tend to start a little bit more focused and then it just opens up. So have there have what role have dreams, lucid or even non-lucid, played in your life? Um, have you had foundational dreams that really have informed you or even transformed you over the course of your career, your oh, life? Yes, for sure. Um, I've never been uh, someone to want to interpret dreams or anything like the, that. Right. Um, that's not my interest in interpretation. But then you have dreams sometimes that are uh, just knock your socks off, you know. Um, so, um, for instance, one early one I remember when I was pretty new to the Dharma was um, I, I came into a room and there was collar ring shape. Now I didn't have a particularly strong connection with collar ring shape, but I did recognize him as a very awakened person. And he, um, he was lying flat and his body was disintegrating. Like it was as if he was dead, actually, hmm. and his body was um, de decomposing. And I, I felt such compassion, and I went up net right next to him and actually took his hand, even though he was, you know, he wasn't dead, but his body was decomposing. And I said, "Oh, doesn't it hurt?" And he smiled, hmm. and he said, "Oh, yes, it hurts. It hurts all the time." Oh well. And that was the end of the dream. Yeah. But that was that was a very informative dream. You know, it yeah. kept me thinking about the meaning of it because it struck me as so yeah. something so powerful about his. He was very calm. He was very he he was cheerful in that kind of contented yeah. way. Yeah. And uh, and yes, there was immense suffering, but. And it was all the time, you know, yeah. like universal. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and he he was there for it. 
so he was able to relate to it with, with a quality of equanimity. Yeah, exactly. As if it wasn't that big of a deal. That's right. That it was just like it's just another part of the show. That's right. Yeah. And then, um, you know, without going into a lot of detail about it, because it's not been a big focus in my life or anything, but um, throughout the years, every once in a while, I, I will have a dream, even to this day, you know, mm -hmm. of one of the realized teachers that I was close to, like Trumper Rinpoche. Right or uh, the 16th Karmapa, right. or Digo Kensei Rinpoche. And in these dreams, suddenly the whole atmosphere is transformed. Right. Right. And I remember what it was like to be about, around them. It was exactly like that, that in the waking state. Yeah. 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 And that um, they, um, they always give me some advice. Yeah. They always give me some advice. And sometimes I can't remember it when I wake up, which right. is very frustrating. But I'm always left with the feeling of the dream. Yeah, and, and so uh, do, do these just happen spontaneously, or do you actually incubate them or cultivate, uh, like you're requesting to have a dream for them, or they just happen out of the blue? No, they just happen out of the blue because I, except when I was in the three-year retreat, I haven't done any of that intentional. Yeah. Uh, dreaming and uh, lucid dreaming. Yeah, so. and you know when I was actually it, it, in my three-year retreat just after you. I had a similar sort of thing, and it, it was interesting, um, Pema, because it happened after, you know, we had some issues with our drupan, and I started having dreams. In fact, Seventeenth Karmapa and others, where where they would actually come and give me very specific guidance about practices I was doing, and, yeah. and sometimes they were spontaneous. Sometimes, as part of my dream yoga curriculum, I would incubate them. Yeah. Some of them were non-lucid; they just happened. But the really charged ones were I, I was in fact lucid. And yeah. as clear as you and I are sitting here right now, I was able to ask His Holiness very specific questions about a particular experience. And yeah. I had I had one in fact that that I now refer to as a surrogate dream, where I had a dream that was really meant for the group and that we we're going through some difficult times, um, you may remember. And was that I, with Ani Palmer? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so so I, I actually had a very powerful dream that when I woke up from it was clearly meant for, for the group. And I cautiously um, shared it with the group. And, and everybody was tremendously appreciative because the message that was actually delivered was completely spot on and resonant with right. what was going on. Yeah. And, so, and so when you had these dreams, um, were these, in fact, non-lucid dreams or lucid dreams? Were you well, aware? these were non-lucid dreams. Uh, but early morning, I'm pretty sure, yeah. because I would wake up in the morning, you know, right from the dream, and it would just, I would just lie there for kind a long time, glowing. just glowing in that that atmosphere. Yeah, that, that tends to be when they they occur, isn't it? Yes. Like right before waking, yes. where you yes. tend to Yes, and remember that's what it. the texts say as well. And they deliver know? an impact. And so when you were doing um, dream yoga in the retreat, how did that practice speak to you? I mean, was it something that, that you resonated with? Is it something that you continue to practice? Well, what I resonated with strongly was the uh, uh, dream yoga. And that was because I had the ability to do the lucid dreaming. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, and what, what we found as a group is that you could induce it definitely, like someone who wasn't, didn't have, hadn't had lucid dreams could start having them. But some people never could. And, and other people, it was just like second nature, you right. know. And so we, we said, you know, don't feel bad if you can't because it, it doesn't mean you don't have an attainment exactly. or something. It's exactly. just that this is not your thing. But in my case, um, 
I had had uh, quite a few lucid dreams before the retreat, so and flying was always I would just get off on flying, you know. Oh, I just loved it so much, and so. But with lucid dreaming during the retreat, uh, I would say that was one of the most ever done as a practice. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah. Seriously? Along with, uh, uh, I, well, I want to do, I did a little dark retreat and I want to right. do more of that. And that was the same, like just direct, nothing yeah. in between. Just, yeah. you just have the experience right on the spot. There's nothing conceptual about it exactly. at all. Exactly. So, uh, it, it took me a while. I, I can't say I ever got over the fact, getting excited when I realized I was lucid, you know. But I, I calmed down some, right? Because that caused it to be shorter, you know. Because otherwise, you pop right back out. You're that's, so excited, you ping, right. you ping right back that's out. That's right. So I, um, but so the first thing was just the fascination with walking around in uh, a lucid dream, and just uh, what I did mostly was just observe. Yeah, like a witnessing dream. I yes, call it. witnessing, yeah. and and total fascination about. Everything is just like this just reality. Like this. Yeah. Now there is the thing that if you look at your hand, as 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 uh, Don Juan Carlos suggested, Castaneda, then yeah. your hand starts morphing and changing. Right. So there's different things like that. But in general, just fascinated by the fact that most, for the most part, if you drop a glass, it shatters, and right. um, and and people are just. In the dream, like they are, you go to a restaurant, you look around, there's these other people that yeah. you don't know particularly yeah. doing their thing. And it began to educate how I see so-called waking Isn't it? Up. Isn't it? So, exactly. so that, uh, and it's still like that. Yep. So I'm just going about, and then there's that same quality of, what do you call that? Unreality or super reality? Hyper or hyper lucid reality. Hyper lucid reality. Yeah. Okay, that's that's great to have a term for it. Exactly. And um, and it just puts you in a, in, in another whole dimension. And you're just there. You're just having your sandwich or whatever you're having in the restaurant or wherever you happen to be. Right. And and you just sort of know that it's all. Yeah. Uh, the play of the mind. The play of the mind. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So in a lucid dream, it's so obvious yeah. because you there you know you're dreaming, you know it's the play of the mind, and yet it's identical yeah. to the waking state. So you it you just begin to understand. Isn't that. it? Isn't yeah. it? For me it's been the same time, but you know, I what I think of often, um, and if we define the terms properly, I think you'll see where this is going, is that in a certain sense, by making your, by reifying your dreams, quote unquote, by seeing them as actually real or even hyper real, hyper lucid, what it does is it wakes me up to the nature of this reality. Oh, no, so, that's the important isn't part. Isn't so that? with Bardo teachings also. Exactly. So by, by making my dreams real, I, in a certain sense, I de-reify this reality. I make this reality more illusory. Until they, they seem to be of one taste, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. What is, was the term you used? Uh, Hyperlucid? Hyperlucid. Hyperlucid dreams, yeah. Th those are the so when, when, I'm when I'm seeing things that way, you would call it hyperlucid? When the dreams, yeah, so... In, way, in a way, in this so-called waking reality? What you, do you, call you mean it? in the nighttime stage? Or? No, I mean, I mean the you and I sitting here. 
you know, what do oh, you call that? Oh, well, oh, that's a great question. I would actually call that lucid living. Lucid living. Yeah, and again, so the idea, the way I've come to explore it is that lucid dreaming, it's just like we're saying, lucid dreaming, the insights are not talked under the darkness of the night. You, you bring them into the day. And so yeah, yeah. for me, lucid dreaming has really led to lucid living, where, you know, like even as we're sitting here in this yard, I look around, I, I can kind of flash Yes. on the correspondence between those two states. And, oh, definitely. And what's yes. interesting for me is that by seeing the world in this way, it doesn't in any way negate it. It actually enhances it for me. Oh, definitely. Yes, definitely. Makes definitely. it more magical, more alive. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Strongly so, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it will be a whole other topic, but it's interesting to me, like, then, um, uh, I haven't yet, I don't think, combined that experience, which is common, mm -hmm. with, um, uh, what, what do I want to say, like uh, very emotional states, like hot emotions, strong emotions. Mm -hmm. Even if the strong emotions are not necessarily mine, maybe, maybe, um, uh, maybe I just uh, see something or something where, my, where the compassion is very, very strong, and then, then come all the thoughts about, injustice and poverty and, and what happens to people when they're poor and all of that, you mm -hmm. know. So now you could say a lot of that's conceptual because I'm thinking about it. Um, but I know it to be a lot of people's lives. And yeah. so to somehow marry those a little more, I feel I need to do that. Yeah, yeah. And so do you find that, uh, is there more you can say about um, sort of the, the residue, so to speak, the 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 way the dream yoga, both in retreat and even now, has continued to inform or transform the way you see the world. Do you find that that still happens to you? That you still flash on this waking reality as being dreamlike? Oh, I, of you? oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Now, I don't, I haven't had a lucid dream in a long time. I don't know if it's aging or what it is, but I haven't, and I don't worry about it. Right. Really. Um, I work a lot with that. Uh, what's begin with word is H, where hypnagogic. Yeah, I work a lot with that. Yeah. I'm very interested yes. in just watching yes. phenomena, and that phenomena is unformed. You know, it's kind yes. of pre getting into a shapes. And the same thing in the middle of the night, the same thing early in the morning. I, I work a lot with that. It's kind of like a bardo state, isn't it? It's and like it, it's like there's this practice called. Uh, Togel, you know. Togel, yes, so, exactly. And it's about, just about that, you know, really uh, uh, seeing things that aren't actually real in the in the conventional sense, right. but are appearing and just being with them and being... Very similar, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Because I've, I've yeah. done some dark retreat as well, yeah. and it's very similar where, where you start to see the, the transformation of geometric patterns, like you know, points of light, you start to see how, to me, thoughts kind of morph into images right. and morph into these like little microtype dreams. Um, yeah, and then that it, it all comes from this like plasma of well, that's beautiful. The shapes and colors and things. And when I was doing lucid dreaming, I would have the experience more than once. So for instance, I'm in a room and I decide I want to fly. And so, and so I'm still thinking in a kind of clunky sense that I have to go through the roof, you know. Rather than just suddenly be flying, you know, like just change. So, so I go up through the roof, and going up through the roof is like plasma um, yeah. parting or something like that. Uh, 
uh, I don't know why I talked about that, but the, um, but uh, but the, I oh I know why because those that hypnagogic hypnagogic is yeah. sort of plasma like. That's yeah. a great term. I yeah. never really thought of it. It's almost like the plasma of the mind. Yeah, that's right. The, the plasma of the preformed. And there's mind. something in uh, Stephen Lair's first book, right? Lucid um, dreaming. Lucid dreaming, where he talks about um, that you, two people could have the same dream of a dark a dark street with a person standing there. Mm -hmm. And for one person, that dream becomes a very frightening dream, a nightmare. And for another person, there's curiosity and there's some, it has a very uh, affirmative uh, result. So a lot of it is your habitual patterns about how it, you see things. Isn't it? Know? I think that's the greatest gift. You know, it's like, and I think this is also, I'm aware, in my experience, it, it ties into the Bardo teachings because... Mm -hmm. You know, as you know, that the mind that's released in the dream state is is highly similar to the mind that's released in the karmic bardo becoming. Yes. And so, by becoming familiar with that mind, there we can discover, you know, the fluid nature, how the mind manifests, how it transforms, and eventually, this is what I was going to get at: how it is that when um, we're in the dream state, it's really our habits that are being completely exposed to us. And Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. by the time you're in the bardo state, you can't work on it. That's what they always say, that you're where you were when you died in terms of what are the habitual patterns and how do you relate to them. Yeah. So this really motivates one strongly, no matter what age you are, to work with them now, you exactly. know, so that you're not driven around Isn't by it? your habitual patterns yeah. and your hopes and fears and all of this. Yeah, you know, to me, it not only does lucid dreaming lead to lucid living, but it leads to lucid dying, conscious dying. Oh yeah. You yeah. know that we can that we can gain Padmasambhava is you know, sort of guarantee, quote unquote, that if we can attain lucidity with some frequency in our nighttime dreams, we're going to be totally fine, because then instead of our habits pinging us around, the tables are turned, and now we have the ability to actually control our mind, in what they call the dream at the end of time, right? Just like we control it during the nighttime, nighttime. dream. And so has this then. Has dream yoga and your practice of the, of the nocturnal mind um, helped you relate to the end of life for yourself? I mean, has it given you a sense of um, confidence or even solace about what might actually try transpire for you when you die? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I spent uh, over two years just immersing myself in all the literature and teaching it. Because, That's right, of course. Because teaching it becomes a way of, of immersing yourself further, you know? And uh, and so I feel very confident, you know. First of all, I feel very confident about the dissolution. And it was very helpful to read Minjur Rinpoche's book because where he talks about... Oh, the recent about, one. Yeah. Uh, in Love with the World. Yeah, where yeah. he talks about his experience of going through the dissolution. And so, of course, that's very inspiring because often, you know, things like being very, very cold and not being able to get warm, that could throw you for a loop, you totally. know. Being very, very thirsty and not being able to quench your thirst could just throw you for a loop. But if you say, oh, this is the sign. This is this is what's happening and this is the sign. So I feel very confident about about that. How how it will actually manifest, I don't know. Uh, um, the, um, vis the virtual reality walking on the plank thing was yeah. a big humbling experience for me because of the fact that I have a lot of confidence about all of this. And then suddenly I was in this totally artificial situation. But because of this strong habitual fear Isn't of it? heights, I, the, it was impossible for me to step off 
this plank that was less than an inch off the floor. Exactly. So because for me it was, I knew I wasn't going to go plummeting down, but you know you saw me yeah. how hard it was for me to do it. And the fact was, then you said, think of your teacher. And then I heard Trumper and Mache saying, you can do it. And then I, then I did it. So that's very helpful, too, you see, because I figure if I get paralyzed like that, brought to my knees, humbled, you know, yeah. I can remember him. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the fundamental teachings uh, in, in Bardo Yoga from the Tibetan approach is just cry out to your teacher that's right. for help. Yeah. But that did show me that habitual patterns are very, very strong. And if you have any phobias or fears that are at the phobic kind of level, um, not so easy to just yeah. not have them anymore. Yeah. And and they'll go with you, you know. Yeah. Well, that's understatement of the century, huh? Yeah, that's right. So um, that was humbling, very humbling. Yeah. And I was appreciated doing it, you know. And um, But uh, I'll tell you that one of the main practices that I do mm -hmm. uh, that's been completely educated by what we're talking about here is, um, and I teach this, and I, because I've taught it for quite a while, I know that it's very different for different people. Mm -hmm. If someone has had the nature of mind pointed out to them, it's totally different than someone who hasn't. Mm -hmm. um, and someone who's been working with the nature of mind for a long time, it's different than someone who has just had it pointed out mm -hmm. and maybe isn't sure they really received it and right. like that. But, but um, so this is uh, pausing. Oh, the pause practice. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a bardo practice, Yes, and now Trumper Rinpoche said it is a bardo practice or a gap, practice. gap you know, yeah. uh, uh, lucid living practice. Yeah. Uh, Trumper Rinpoche gave this instruction to Ed Podwell about how to do dream yoga. I think I told you that. No, you didn't. I so, don't know that. So Ed wanted to know how to do dream yoga, and he went to the Vijayadra in his office, and um, then I... I, I heard that, so I wrote to him uh, long before he died. He was in that retreat in France, mm -hmm. and I asked him if he'd let me know what Trump Rinpoche said. I oh, think wow. I was doing Dream, dream Yoga at the time. Oh, wow. So he wrote me this letter about it, which I must have somewhere. I mean, it's a valuable document. And um, But the main thing that Trump Rinpoche told him was, uh, go around as if you're taking snapshots, like a photographer. Just boom. Boom. So, like, pause practice, you know? And he said, it's even better if you have a flashball. <laughs> isn't that interesting? And he said, that's the best dream yoga. Wow. Wow, isn't that what great? What a great... So, so I, I've taken that, and plus, there's all this Trekcho instruction yep, and, yep. um, and uh, Togil's instruction about um, leaving unfabricated whatever arises without uh, elaboration, elaboration. Yep. and um, um, and this is it all it seems like all the instruction points the same thing you know so if you can uh, so there's this instruction which I got from uh, uh, a book by uh, um, Adam Tipton mm -hmm. in which he says he says um, the the masters of old suggest that if you could uh, he said, what he says there is uh, pause in meditation or something like that, he talks about. 108 times a day, oh, well. you could uh, attain the awakened state in six months if you did it oh, well. continually like that. Oh, well. 
So all of this, you know how when you're interested in something, the yeah. information seems to come from everywhere? Yeah. And so, um, uh, so I, I've been working with some equivalent of that. I decided not to actually count them because huh. it becomes... Yeah, a little intimidating or... Yeah, yeah it's counter, it, yeah. it counters what you're really trying to do because then it's you're opening. getting obsessive or something. So uh, I figure it equals a lot, you know, yeah. you just do a lot and not constant because then it's sort of something, but, but pretty con and so, so, so be specific if you don't mind, Pam, this is fantastic. Um, so be specific, like, like you're, like we we're walking in this garden. Mm -hmm. How, how would you actually do it? You would literally stop and then like flash open or, or how does it actually play out in your own well, experience? Well, of course, as with a lot of practices, it's a lot easier to do if you're alone. So like in a retreat situation or just on your own, you know. But um, so I've experimented with your walking. I like to go out walking and do it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I've experimented with walking and stopping. Mm -hmm. The stopping itself can be the gap, you know, and then just and then go on. And I've experienced it with um, keep, keep walking. Yeah. And it's a different experience. Yeah. So and how I, do you flash it when you keep walking? It's more just, because I have the same issue or, or challenge, I should say, that um, if, if I'm stopping, that almost boycotts mm -hmm. the continuity or the illusion of continuity. Yes, it does. And, it and so boycotts. when you're moving, how do you do it then? You, you just actually, your mind just kind of opens you, for yes, a moment? It's like, it would be as if you were moving with your camera. You, you, uh, it relies on your sense perceptions a lot, you know, particularly sight. Yes. But also you can close your eyes and do it with hearing. Yeah. Um, and I suppose you could use the other senses too, but those, They're not as dominant. sight is, yeah. is the main one, obviously, with this. Yeah. And um, so you keep moving. And so you say, I say, I'm going to walk from the gate at the abbey all the way to the stupa. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And so... I do. Yeah. I, I, and so yeah. what happens, huh. can happen then, what can happen with both really, but particularly if you keep moving, is it becomes continuous. Like it's almost not, in, you don't yeah. need to stop anymore because it just keeps yeah. going. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I totally see so, what you're saying. So, so yeah. for, for a long time for me, and this definitely a lot of students report this, it interrupts the continuity. And so it's like a contrast. That's right. But then with walking particularly, but also in general, it can, can become, there is no contrast after a while right. because it's much more right. one thing. Right. Um, then the only um, thing to work on that I work on is when I get, when discursive mind starts right. creating its own little. Subcommentary, yeah. Dull. It's so boring <laughs> compared to the other. I don't know why it's even of interest to me, you know, but it's habitual, you know, so it happens. And then that sort of, uh, then it's as if that the whole magical world just, it's like um, you put out the poison powder or something and yeah. it's just all, it yeah. isn't there for you anymore yeah. because you're not there. That's, yeah. that's, it's there, but you're not there. Yeah. So you're just caught up in this, uh, yeah. what is it called in the three natures the it's called the illusory the nature. illusory nature yeah. actually in cognitive science they actually call it the swept up continuum right you just get kind of sucked into the undertow swept up continuum that's right yeah it, it, and um uh jokobeck used to call it the uh a ma imaginary 
imaginary world or something like that. I forget. She had a good term at that. Yeah. It's not that, but the fictitious self is another way yeah. it's yeah. called. But anyway, it's, it's, it isn't uh, the other two natures. What are the three natures? Well, so you have, yeah, so we have the dependent nature in the center, and then you have um, the perfectly pure. And on nature. the other side is this. And then on the other side, you have. Um, uh, so this is Parikapata, the yeah. imaginary nature. Then you have Paratantra. Which is like fictitious. Like exactly. It, it's and just then, completely you're lost in thought. Exactly. It means lost in thought. Yeah. And in and, and, and this nomenclature, it's, it's utterly lo um, lost in non-lucidity. You know, lost That's in, right. That is right. You're it? lost in non-lucidity. You're just swept up and you're so dreaming. So they're, they're like um, co-mergent. Lost in thought, lost in non-lucidity is the same thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I should take some notes because this language is helpful. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll send this to you. Okay. All right. Yeah. But you know, to, when you say this, what I immediately flash on, and, and I hadn't heard the story of Ed Podval, um, who, by the way, spent some 12 years in retreat, yeah. wanted to go into lifetime retreat, and then had a cancer diagnosis and yeah, came up. But right. I read this as just, this is the practice of impure illusory form. Isn't it? Yes. This is just a way to the kind of the main daytime practice outside of meditation to support dream yoga is in fact to kind of continually pause, see this world as illusory, whether it's through a recitation of something like this is a dream, or even more non conceptually is just what you're saying. Yeah, this what I'm recommending is totally non conceptual. Like there is no mantra, there is no thing you say or anything. Yeah. Uh you just pause. Yeah. And so what, what Adam Tipton says in the book, he says, is that, um, I don't know what text he got that from, you know, but, but what he says is to his Western audience, or to any Tibetan audience too, probably, he said, if that's too much, you know, just try 100 times a day, mm -hmm. or just try 20 times mm -hmm. a day. He said, even three times a day would be yeah. helpful, you know, yeah. uh, because it introduces you. And I've done this with any number of people who say, they were given the transmission, but they didn't know what it was all about, right. and they didn't get it. Nature of mind transmission. Yeah, yeah. where they where they had that poverty attitude, right. which is understandable, really, if you really say, "Well, is that it?" You right. know, is it that simple? And uh, uh, um, so uh, this helps them, you know, yeah. to, to connect with what it's almost like a slow motion transmission, you know. Beautiful, and, and you know what I discovered um, when I started having a repeated pointing out transmissions, one of the ways I started to clue in to like, okay, am I getting it? Was in fact, during the entire affair was my, I noticed that my experience became very dreamlike. Yeah. My experience became very ephemeral, very translucent. And then it was like, well, okay, there's, there's some. So that's what you're calling uh, lucid living. That's what I'm calling lucid living. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Where, where you're waking up to just like we, you know, we wake up to the dream. Now we're waking up to this dream. And well, it. exactly. That's exactly right. You're waking it. up to this dream, and then you realize, oh, you're just, and you, you're misperceiving all. Yeah. The time. And and what do you say for people, Pema, that, that that have some associative disquietude or anxiety or fear around that? Have you had some students, when you've given them this instruction, come back to you and say this makes me feel uneasy? I haven't, but I'm sure there are people because that would just make sense, you know, really, that for some. Having their uh, the rug pulled out. The rug pulled out. Yeah, I, I would think no one's come so far um, uh, of my own students, and you know, you never know when you give it to a big audience right. or something. Right. Um, 
not certainly not to the degree that I would stop teaching it because it might be sure. dangerous or something. But um, what I would think is that when it's interrupting, that that's very refreshing yes. for people. Exactly. But if you started to have the continuous yep. experience, that would be like what the uh, Sutriyana would call an experience of emptiness, you know? Exactly. Um, it could freak you out. Yeah. Because, because you don't have your usual yeah. bearings of this is real. Yeah. But you know, isn't it the case, Pamela, isn't it the case that it only becomes a freak out when you refer it to self? In other words, if you stay with the experience, it's actually like you say, it's delightful, it's refreshing, it's open. And it's only in my experience when I find like, well, wait a second, where do I fit into this? That my heart starts to beat faster. Yeah. Or I start to get a little unsettled because, you know, where's ego in all this? And of course, part of what makes it so refreshing is at that moment, there is no ego in it. That's so right. then that, otherwise, you wouldn't be having it. But uh, so that is the classic uh, instruction that's given when people start to get afraid of emptiness is keep your attention outward. Keep your attention outward and don't, you know, contract. keep referring outward. Yeah, don't contract. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think that's super important. Super because, important. Because yeah. when you start to, you know, you start to cut through, there's a, another way to say this, Pema, is there's a reason why ego reifies this reality. Um, because if, if ego realized it's standing on a dream, there's not a lot of footing there. And so I, I would argue that, you know, it's, it's constantly at an unconscious level, projecting out there, reifying, solidifying. And when this starts to melt underneath your feet, and you don't have, a, at least in this case, a good map, it can be a little bit disconcerting for, for a kind of an egoic state. Oh, definitely. Yes, definitely. Definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. So I think it's helpful for it to be pointed out to people that the, the, what's happening, for instance, as I say about dissolution stage. Now, I'm sure many people, uh, I've observed it actually, when they're dying and the dissolution is happening, they get scared. You know, uh, whereas if you know what's about to happen, know what's happening, it's just like, oh, this is very interesting. I'm getting closer that, to the possibility of enlightenment. You know? Yeah. Let me tell you something really interesting. I'm not sure how on topic it is, but it's certainly related. I had a student who was pretty new to the Dharma, and um, uh, as far as I know. Uh, her only connection to the Dharma was me. She, there might have been other connection, but and so she had just received like public teachings and things like this, and public meditation instruction, mostly from Tim Homestead yeah. uh, at the Omega programs mm -hmm. and things. And she listened to a lot of tapes and things like that. So it was meaning a lot to her in her life. She, then she got she's a young woman uh, in her fifties, very beautiful and accomplished artist, and she realized and she got uh, terminal cancer oh, goodness. so uh, she did everything she could to fight it and when she realized there was nothing less to do she relaxed and she said I, I, I'd like to be in my house I'd like the bed moved in the shrine room and I'd like not to go to the hospital and I'd like you all to be around and her, her husband and child and some of her good friends and things so um, she was in amazingly good shape. You know, she kept asking me. She heard all the Bardo teachings and everything, and she said, what, what should I be doing? And, and she was a very naturally cheerful uh, a person who saw things 
from a uh, bright, joyful point of view. And she'd had a lot of hardship and thing, including what was happening to her. And I said, just keep work, just maintain that, because that will uh, bode well for you um, as you're dying and in the bardo, because mm -hmm. you'll see things from a positive lens, and that will influence how it will go. Yeah. And um, so, so uh, she was dying. I talked to her probably two days before she died wow. or something. She couldn't really talk at that point, yeah. but they put the phone to the ear, and I could hear right. her making noises to saying, yes, I hear you, I hear you. And I, I gave her instruction um, on what to do. I can't remember exactly what I said sure. and stuff. But they said that she was looked very happy and relaxed and stuff. So then there's one more day before she dies. And, and, uh, and then uh, her husband and one of the women that was there with her, one of her best friends, they, 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 um, they texted me and they said, you know what happened? They said she went into a coma, and we, her women friends, were there with her, like holding her head and in her lap and holding her hands and just rubbing her and just being very loving and holding it and not being scared or anything. And all of a sudden, she went. No, no. Uh, out of this in between she went ah. and then they thought to when she stopped to do it back oh so they all started going this ah, back and then they went back and forth like oh that gosh. for over an hour oh my gosh. and if ever they would stop thinking maybe this is too much or something she would start again oh and then the next morning or in the nighttime, she died. I thought, oh, she was communicating she between worlds. She wasn't in either one. Yeah. Uh, that's how it felt oh, to that's me. that's beautiful. Wow. Oh, they said the atmosphere in the room was just... Yeah, it sends a chill up my back. Yeah. Wow. I never yeah. heard anything like that. That's fantastic. So somehow she knew how to express yeah. where she was at. And, of course, it was a good place, yeah. right? I mean, doesn't that show you the... the just the beauty and the power of these teachings. Yes, it does. And how in times when we need them the most, they're there. And in this case, I never taught her, ah, you know, yeah. or, but she might have gotten it from someplace or it might have just, come out, just come out of the yeah. Dharmakaya, you know. Oh, my goodness. But I think it's it just shows how, I don't know, yeah. when we're dying, if we're not scared, that's it, not resisting, Oh, I'm sure it's a very powerful experience of of um, knowing the truth about everything. I think you know? so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, really, with with this kind of preparation, it, it truly does become a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, and you're. Yeah. I'm sure. Sure, you're just saying, "Oh, this is so obvious." Yeah. This yes. is so obvious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is so obvious. Yeah. I I have to say, I mean, I don't think I'm afraid of it. I'm actually really curious. Oh, I you know, am like too. what? You're like, wow, this is going to be a really interesting trip. I know. You know, know. what's it going to be like this time? Yeah. You know, and, and right, the, right. the confidence born from these subtle meditations has really given me um, this sense of, well, just that confidence that I can enter these final stages with some sense of ease and yeah. relaxation. Because wouldn't you say that that's the fundamental instruction altogether anyway? Is just opening and relaxing 
Yeah, that it's is. a part of yoga. And even meditation altogether. Just, that is just the fundamental instruction. Opening. Yeah. And relaxing. Yeah. And staying in that open, relaxed place. Yeah. That's the tricky part, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think opening and relaxing is not the tricky part. Never has it hasn't been for me, but staying there. Yeah. It's just like with the lucid dreams, you know. They very much so. How long can you, how long can you extend a lucid dream? Uh, I've had um, lucid dreams well over an hour. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, because this, I've been doing this for forty years. Sure. And, um, and yeah, you know, I I once asked Paul Rinpoche a very similar type of question about when one is resting in deep meditative absorption and the like, like what is it? that causes it to end. Yeah, right. He said something extraordinarily interesting. This was some 20 years ago. He said it's because you have a body. Mm. And I thought, what does that mean? And then I really thought, well, it's because the body is where the unconscious tendencies are held. It's, it's where, you know, in our terminology, where the eighth consciousness really abides. And until that's purified, um, those habitual patterns are still there, ready to pluck you back and suck you back into their mainstream right, of confusion. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So how do you, therefore, Pema, how do you work with transforming that peak into a plateau or that that um, glimpse into a gaze? How do you how do you maintain your own keeping it going? Yeah, the, yeah. the practice of openness or, or constancy or whatever you want to call well, it. Well, uh, I again, I'm not sure if it's age. I, I can feel something really different happening with my mind with age. And part of it is um, more easily distracted. Mm. But the other, that would mm. be the kind of maybe problematic part. But the other part is more easily settled and open, mm. too. Because why not? I mean, you know, you don't really, you're not striving for anything. or yeah. it's, You know, it's very relaxed at the end of your life. Because yeah. you, you, you couldn't care less about all the things, <laughs> you know. Like what people think. Of or what any, value. Yeah. 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 So. So, um, so because of that, because of the distracted part, um, it's almost like I, I want to. I'm going to talk to Kanchal Rumshay about this. Uh-huh. Though it's not so much distracted, like I start to be lost in a thought. Right. It's more like I blank. You gap out. Yep. I gap. Yep. And and then I realize I'm back. You know. Yep. So I'm not sure what's happening there, but that's yep. a more common experience. So. So he might say, oh, that's part of the continuity. He could say that. I'm not sure. What do you think? My oh, first my hit, it would be a, a, a brief dip into the into the alia, a brief dip into the eighth. Yeah, I thought maybe. Don't you think? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. yeah. But but as a um, kunshi, you know. That, as a kunshi. Like, like a yeah. blank state. Yes, that, exactly. Eighth consciousness specifically. Yeah. yeah. Not alia per se. And then, uh, and then the continuity. Because thing. I think that that's what, when I feel, touch into that space, that's the difference. Um, and that really defines the kunshi as this kind of, kind of opaque, ind- indifferent, indiscriminate kind of like, ugh. But I never there. experience it except in retrospection. Retrospection, exactly. You know, um, yeah. I, it's just as if you turned off the, chant, the television. Yeah, and then you is. turn it back on, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, do you see what I mean? I like, totally do. So yeah. it's a different kind of gap. But know? isn't it, what to me is so beautiful about even this is, is that armed with these general practices of awareness, even that becomes interesting. You no, know, no, it that, is. That's interesting. not like disconcerting. That's like, yeah. oh, I wonder what that's about. Yeah. And, so and, you know, 
I, this is why, though, that I do like, I'm very interested in like 108 times a day, you yeah. see, because when I start doing that, the sense of flow is, uh, I, it becomes that feeling of exactly. con continuous. More, more continuous yeah. Whereas if I sit in meditation um, and open, like doing, say, uh, uh, trek chill, right. so I'm opening. And and so I'm there, and then those 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 Ali experiences right. happen, and uh, and it seems to interrupt. The, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So so the 108 times a day thing. That's what I, that's fantastic. Is, is is what I'm doing because that keeps me in touch. That's and, really fantastic. Yeah, so much, yeah. Pema. Thank you for You're taking welcome. the time. It's been You're a total welcome. delight. Yeah, Every time been, I sit with you, I learn so much. No, it has been delightful. Thank you. And, it's uh, very. And may we? It's very interesting. I heard that. Uh, when Didju Rinpoche would, would um, tuck his children into bed, he would routinely, as, as a, an evening kind of goodbye, he would say, what a beautiful dream we shared together today. And so, isn't oh, that what a, what a... Who told you this? I heard this from um, some quite senior student that, oh, that said this is what Didju Rinpoche did. And so, what a beautiful dream we shared together this last oh, 45 minutes or so. Because his, um, his children were like Tinley Norbu, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, what a beautiful image, you know? Beautiful, yeah. yeah. Tell me yeah. about your dream. How was your dream today? Yeah. What a beautiful dream we shared together. Oh, yeah. That's a great thing to say to children, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. yeah. And of course, that's where we go. Just to end on this note, you know, where people often ask, well, where do you go when you die? What's happening? Well, I think we just go from this dream to the next. We yeah. just we just simply transitioned. You know, I, I recently saw Glenna and I went and saw Ma, uh, Oprah. Right. Did she right. tell you about it? She told me a little bit about it. Your so, second visit. So yeah. one of her um, questions for me is, "What do you?" I don't think on air, but what do you think happens when you die? Well, she was very interested to well, hear. It. And I said, "I think we just continue." Yeah. And she said, "That's what I think yeah. too." Yeah. Into another dream. <laughs> our 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 guy Trung um, you know. The bad news is you're falling through space without a parachute. The good news is there no, is no, no ground. ground. So we're just falling from one dream into the next. That's one right. manifestation That's line right. into the next. But thank you so much for taking the you're time. Welcome. It's been a you're total welcome. delight. You're welcome. You're welcome. Awesome. Thank you.